Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. Lord, all night Sunday central. Here, I keep you keep you long enough on a Wednesday. <laughs> you worked all day. You spend an hour to an hour and a half here with me. We talk a half hour before, a half hour after. You got a full family at home waiting for you. What else is there to do? It's quarantine time. It's, uh, you know. True. Yeah, what else? This, this it's helps It's quarantine me. time. It is all of the news that you read is horribly depressing. The, men, the, the mental health aspect of it for myself has been really rough over the me last, too. over the last three months i think where it's and i can't i can't specifically point to one thing where i can say uh this whole pandemic the staying at home orders all those things makes this difficult for me and that's why i feel this way it's just a myriad of other it's like the elephant always in the room and yeah. it's gotten probably more difficult for myself i wouldn't say to, to deal with but it's getting harder and harder to ignore. Yeah. And it's just little things like, you know, my, and when I say neighbors, I don't mean my immediate neighbors, but I mean like what it's done to the economy, what the fear that people have, the divided country, all those things. And just the fact that you, everywhere you turn, it's negative news, negative news, negative news. And that then in turn makes you pessimistic. And I've been very pessimistic lately. Uh, and in general, just feel like, you know, normally you can take a vacation or you can, right. you know, get out for, but there's literally nowhere to go. And even if you can go, guess what's still there? That elephant <laughs> in the room. It's still there. It is still, is my hotel clean enough? Is, am I being safe? Should I wash this handle when I pump gas? It's all of that that's just always creeping into just life things. So it's been rough. Well, in the last week, you couldn't even go outside. Because of the the state's on fire, and we live in a place that's a valley for everything around it, and and all of the ash and dust from the wildfires settled here. So I think it's been somewhere between six and eight days where, air quality wise, it's not considered safe to be outside for any period of time. I realized that last week. At one point, I, I real and I've got I've got a yard and a pool and a patio and a and a front area and a nice like little quiet neighborhood and I, I realized at one point oh my god it's been four days since i've gone outside and i've got a bad habit of when i'm inside i'm shades drawn i don't i don't realize that i've i've become I, i've gone into a shell for nearly I'm, I'm howard hughesing it yeah and, you've turned into a rec- you're you're uh collecting your own piss in bottles yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like what is this it's just my piss it's fine it's just yeah just it's move whatever. it just it's fine i don't have any i yeah i have a restroom but this makes more sense to me yeah uh i went on a run i've been going on runs every evening around f- six seven o'clock after the sun goes down or is starting to go down and even that's depressing you're right it's just like the for those who don't live in california yeah. It's like a brown sky that just matches exactly <laughs> what's going on in the world. It's yeah. just like Yeah. Yeah, the world's on I mean, I know the world's not on fire, but definitely California's yeah. on fire. And it's like that's not even registering for me. Like right. I'm just running in this like this smoke right. and i'm sure i'm probably doing more harm than good by going on the run to oh, my yeah. lungs there is that if you run outside for three or four days in a row you wake up i got the black lung pop yeah exactly you've it's like, got it 
It's like, when did I turn into a coal miner? Like my lung is, my lungs are terrible. COVID like or inhaling cement. It's like a game show. COVID or Bakersfield? Which yep. one, which one is it? Especially during this time, and so it's been, it's been difficult to manage, man. It's just been the last couple of weeks of. Not necessarily bad news, but just news, and yep. then all news is bad right now. Well, so, and, and not to make too much light of it, we're we're gonna be kind of, for those of you listening, this is not gonna be the upbeat, cheery, fun, probably, um, quirky episode that you're used to. Um, so it, it's probably not gonna be all that funny, but the seriousness we probably can't help but inject some funny anyway. Yeah, and this so, is how we cope with things. And so, just to touch on why running may be a little bit depressing for you it could be because of the fall that we talked about you having where a number of things happened that i'd like you to talk about on air so people could get a visual of what you running look you've got a scratch on your knee which is really which is bad and it's and it keeps opening up and i feel sorry for that but the other things that happened for your fall are comedic genius if you would have planned them it's uh i, I did it i had a fall and the funny thing is, is I like that, by the way, I like how you're already shifting responsibility. I, it's like mistakes were made style. Like I not I fell. I had a, I experienced I had a fall. I experienced a fall. There's an event that happened to me. I didn't make the thing happen. Yes. It just happened to me. Uh, I've been trying to go on runs every night, uh, about five miles a day. And when I say run, I mean, it's like a walk walk run uh 15 yeah. seconds of walking 30 seconds of running uh not i'm not a fast man I, I, my cardio is not where it needs to be right now um so it has been it's been a lot of muscle fatigue yeah. uh maybe my maybe my strides aren't as long as they as they should be at the moment or at least when this happened every once in a while you have a day where you're like god the legs feel good the glutes feel good i feel like i feel but that's once every like six weeks. And then the rest of it, you like you leave your house and you round the corner and you get that, ah, man, I feel like I feel like I've already pulled something and I've got two to five miles to go. I mean, t- five miles for you. I've the got the whole thing to go one mile. The yeah. whole thing to go is what's <laughs> left. Um, it, it is that you do feel like that. And you're right. You do get every once in a while. Yesterday I went for a run and it, I felt great. Yeah. I felt like. Like I'm getting used to this or just, and some of it is just timing, sleep, mm-hmm. uh, how much recovery time you've given yourself. And, and keep in mind, this is five miles. I'm not getting up and running half marathons every day. It's yeah. like a walk, jog, half mile. I mean, five miles. It's not me gunning it the whole time. Um, but definitely I had some some muscle fatigue uh, on, on this particular situation. And I was rounding the corner by a high school, which is a uh, has a very busy street in front of it. Uh-huh. And so I was in between counting myself down to my 15 seconds where I can start running again. And so I'm counting down in my head and I'm in between. I finished the 15 seconds and I'm picking up some speed. Um, You're cooking. <laughs> very little speed. I, I'm like eight strides into getting some acceleration but it feels like cooking a little bit Yeah, it feels like it i mean and don't get me wrong i've definitely modified my stride (laughs) and my uh to to maximize what energy i actually have Mm -hmm. and the cement i I came to a a a place in in the sidewalk where the cement was a little bit uneven yeah and i just happened to be in kind of picking up speed 
but not fully walking, not fully running, like a really, really light jog. And it was just a weird, like, couldn't catch my balance moment where I hit that piece of the cement and completely just ate shit on a main (laughs) street. And there's absolutely, it's one of those moments where you feel like you you immediately look around and you're like, okay, somebody had to have seen that. And there's, there should be somebody here to comfort me. And (laughs) you've got, I just took a big fall. And that's the problem is you're, and you're a dude in your thirties. No one's going to feel sorry for you. You've got two options to avoid the humiliation is, is number one to, to act like you're really, really hurt. That's option one. Option two, which is the more light, like the more realistic option, but just get up and act like nothing happened. Nothing, at, just nothing keep, happened. Just keep not, on rolling. Not bothered, despite the fact that your knee feels like it's going to fall off and you want to cry, not from the pain, but from the shame. Well, I got two blocks away before I even looked down to my knee because I didn't want it. I knew the cars, the cars were just passing by, so it wasn't like they were going to even see me get up and look at my knee or what had happened to me, um, look at the damage kind of a thing, and... I just kept, like, I ran, I had to get away from the spot where I fell for my own pride. Yeah. And then once I, in a full-on sprint, of course, because I got to redeem my pride, at, you know, at this point. Sure. So I, I, I make a full a full bolt for, for two blocks. I look down at my knee, and it's just bloody. Bloody as all hell. And oh, it's, like, really? right it's, on my kneecap. It's bleeding, bleeding. Yeah, it's bleeding, And you have bleeding. shorts on. And is I have it, shorts is on. Is it running down your leg? Um, it's running down my, uh, my shin. Oh, so I got, damn. like, a couple of drips coming down my shin. And it was just brutal. And yeah. it, I, and the funny thing is, is I, where I work, uh, we all like, we always look at falls, right? So, oh. so one of the, one of the reasons why a lot of people get admitted into hospitals is because of falls. Yeah. Um, so people of a certain age just can't handle falls that well. I see. And if you are older, if yeah. you've recently had a surgery if you just have mobility issues, a fall can really take you out. Here's a question for you that you, apologies if you don't know the answer to this and you're being put on the spot. Is there something about the old age that makes them more susceptible to falling? Because I, I hear that all the time of of elderly being in the hospital for falls and I understand that that's, you know, you could break a hip, things like that. But I wonder what it is, what it is about the, you know, about the muscles breaking down that, seems to cause people to fall more at those well ages. it's it's a combination of things i think it's a combination of most people who have falls at least at, a, at an older age uh recently had a surgery so their their mobility is already hindered i see coupled with you just can't react um and put yourself in a situation fast enough at that age to soften the blow. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I'm 35 and I fell and I couldn't soften the blow. Like it felt like it just happened like, Is, like that. Do you think it could be because they've they've expended all of their energy pretending their grandkids are interesting? <laughs> wow. <laughs> just, just seven straight years of going, of course I'll watch you ride the roller coaster. You were such a big boy. That painting's awesome. Oh, for my. sure that looks like a horse. Definitely I, not, not a dinosaur. That looks like a horse. I can't wait to wear that macaroni necklace despite the fact I've worked my whole life to save en- enough money to buy a nice ruby bracelet. Yeah, I'll wear your garbage macaroon. You don't think at some point that that actually turns though and you actually are happy with those things like you're like look i got i got eight years left like yeah like fuck it give me the macaroni necklace like look it's fine i'm happy i've been working on a bit 
I think you've heard. <laughs> I've been working on a bit about the about us not treating the elderly well, but also I'm antagonistic towards the old. I like I've got a bit of like we don't treat the old well, but I've also got a bit of I disrespect the old. <laughs> and well, so everything you do is kind of disrespect. You like making, you know, moving out of the way so they can walk. I mean, that's kind of disrespectful in a way. It's like, hey, look, I, I know you're old. I'm going to move for you. Yeah, exactly right. But there's also that thing of like you just get the maybe you do enjoy it once you get to that age but it just seems like the worst jobs if it's always it's never like oh we're going to spring break let's take grandpa it's like oh no we're going on vacation let's take grandpa so we can have fun while he watches the kids we we don't want to watch and i'm very guilty of that i've actually taken my mother to las vegas of course hey so she can stay with the kids can you watch all of our jackets while we go on the stratosphere (laughs) so what i did is i gave my mom 100 bucks and i was like hey while the kids are napping why don't you go uh why don't you go hit the slots by the way if people if you could see the dismissive (laughs) hand flip it's like an upside down i think he may have backhanded his mother (laughs) to be honest with you i think he back like get the hell out of here yeah Uh, hey birth birth was a long time ago (laughs) we're even get out of my face Uh, so here's a hundred bucks while they're asleep and we're and we're resting i want you to go do your thing yeah but once that hundred bucks is done unless you become a millionaire down there at the slots i need you to come back and take care of these kids so we can go out (laughs) and do things so we can make it down i need you to take care of these kids so me and the wife can make another one for you to watch Now that you're, yeah. while while you still can, yeah. before you're taking falls and your baby boy's got to go life. hump his wife. Leave me alone a while, okay? Take and, the kids, and it's, beat it. And it's in the connecting, uh, the connecting hotel room. Look at you. You take the kids down the strip and explain to them why people are flipping playing cards of prostitutes <laughs> in your face. I'm gonna take my wife and we're gonna go have a banana daiquiri. And we're gonna go, <laughs> and we're gonna visit the places on those cards. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're gonna do. Uh, so uh, maybe there's gonna still be some jokes in this maybe. episode. Uh, so yeah, it took a fall, man, and let me tell you, it is difficult to recover from a fall at an older and I and I get it. People are gonna be like, "You're 35. That's not even that it old." Uh, but it's de- I, it 35 is the age. That you can feel the difference. That you're not 26, you're not 25, and you're taking a bump, and you're getting up, and you're just going. Yep. Uh, I got a bruise on my elbow. I got a wound on on a joint on my it's knee, bad. which is, is taking Never a while to, to heal. Yeah. I can feel it. I can re. I can feel the scab reopening up every single time I I, I fold my knee, like I I cross well, my leg. Let me tell you how impressive it is what you're doing anyway to go from to go from not running to running five miles a day i've run five miles once in the last probably a couple of years and it was a month or two ago and the only reason i ran that far is for two reasons number one i listened to basically the entire guns and roses anthology and got and was really feeling it i had no idea by the way just hit you it hit me i i've always listened to like the six or seven songs that everyone listens to but I, was, I just decided one day, I'm going to take the full thing. And I never realized how soulful and how good of musicians they were. Like, if you listen to the stuff that didn't pop or before they popped, you're like, oh, that, this is why they made it. Because they do everything. They've got songs that sound like them, of course. They've got sounds that sound like old soul songs. They've got sound, songs that sound Bon Jovi-ish. They've got songs that sound Aerosmith-ish. And I'm listening to this going, God, they're, they do them better than all these bands do their own song. And so now, so that gets me three miles in. And so, yeah, that, that's enough to carry you. 
And then I, I'm getting back to the house, and it just so happened that I ran here and I, I approached the home while my landscaper was here. And for the past couple of weeks before that, he wasn't doing the greatest of jobs. So you wanted to avoid him. I wanted to avoid him like the plague because if I was around, I would have to tell him like, hey, could you? But I feel like I feel so weird about having him anyway. And unless it's a confrontation confrontation, I hate confrontation. And so I just I ran another two miles until he was done. Um, whatever it was he was whatever it was he was doing I would have taken that, that was route. indistinguishable from what it looked like when he got here whatever he was doing <laughs> but I will say this subsequently everything's back up in, in order he's been crushing it with, it with no discussion from me because and he's seen you coming around the block and he's like oh he's trying to avoid me I'm maybe he could up. see it in my eyes as I paid out. him and shook his hand like he was my dad that I was disappointed that i didn't give him any indications like a man would at all that i was upset with the work maybe something in there maybe yeah even in the shake maybe i just yeah maybe i just kissed his ass so as impressive as just getting up and running five miles a day is it's equally unimpressive to be able to do all that and then but, not be able to do it anymore but you because still did it's like you know just yeah. slowly being like okay I'm, i need to just not care, not take care of myself physically. So I'm trying to turn that around. You still did the running though after you fell, right? Yeah, you I, s- I still did the running. I don't don't get me wrong. My my ego was hurt yeah. for sure. Um, and then I get home and every you know my you know my eight son the kids are like, oh my god, what happened to your knee? And my son's trying to put a band aid on it, and it's yeah, just like that's cute. Uh, but it's it's just getting old is what can, it is. Can I tell you a silly story from my childhood? I was 14, and I think I was, no, I was, I was meh, maybe 12 and my mom was working at this place where they were doing a, they were doing five Ks and you could do a five K jogging or a five K power walking. <laughs> oh, nice. She didn't want me to do the five K jogging. Um, because oh, so once you were, <clears throat> you had to be, you were committed to the actual stride. Yeah. So like you're doing, the, like if you started running two different courses, like two different, oh, okay. That two different sense. runs. And so she signed us up for the power walk. Do you know what power walking looks like? Yeah, it You've looks ridiculous. It in, it's ridiculous. The elbows are up. That's like the ultimate. It's, like I haven't reached that age it's yet. It's the dumbest thing power ever. Power walking. It's the dumbest thing ever. But I'm a 12 year old kid, and we get our shirt, and I make it into a cutoff because I'm a 12 year old idiot. <laughs> and so I show up, and we get started, and we're going. And there's this like 80 year old man just whooping my ass, like just pounding me. And but I'm I'm toward the front of the pack, not bragging. Front of the pack. In a power walk. Yeah. We're the, the bare mid-drift. We're at the first we're at the first like eighth of a mile. We haven't gone far and we start going down a hill. And as we're going, my shoelace unravels and catches my shoe and I fall flat on my face walking oh. walking down a hill. And it hurt. And I, I take a minute or two and kind of brush myself off and I'm gritting and this is the beginning of the race. So you're not even you're one K in. And so I go to start walking again. And I take maybe 30 steps and unbeknownst to me, it unravels again and I fall again. A second time? Hard, so hard that that um, uncontrollably I go, <laughs> when I hit the ground, I went, <laughs> did people think you had something up with they you? They just kept going. <laughs> they, were, they were like, I can't stop they the power just, I can't. And this 85-year-old dude was, was humming along. Humming didn't along. even didn't even pay attention didn't I, didn't 
pay you any mind. I got up, and at the time, I thought I was a religious kid. I had a, I had a crucifix chain. I took the chain off and, and <laughs> grasped it in my fist, and that got me about 50 steps, and I was like, this sucks. And then I looked up, and me being, me being the little punk that I was, maybe, maybe a half a mile, because it's a straight shot, maybe a half mile ahead was this lady that my mom worked with that I really had the hots for. Um, nice. Cindy Sable, if you're out there, you made a you made a man out of a young boy. That's actually a pretty hot name. Good name, right? That's a good name. Good name. Cindy Wherever Sable, you maybe. are, madam. I mean, she's got to be. She's. I mean, who knows? She was probably my age then. <laughs> I'm like this old lady. This old lady. She's 33. Jesus, Jesus. She was probably because my mom. Oh my God. My mom was about my age then. So she was your... She was 35 to 40 years old. And you're calling her an old lady. Oh, my God. She was an older lady to me, but I was like, I had the hots for her, and I was like, she's... I can follow that. I can walk behind that all, all day. day. And so that got me the whole rest of the time, and that's the only thing that pushed me through. So it was a, it was a co-worker of my mom's and a landscaper that were the only things that can motivate me to move forward. I, I'm almost convinced that older people can power walk uh, longer than most people can run. Because <laughs> like, maybe, you know what? <laughs> right? Like, maybe the way that your joints start to settle, maybe that is running. Maybe power maybe walking that, maybe, is the, yeah. Maybe that old guy was just in a dead sprint, and, he, and I'm like, God, you power walk fast. He's like, what do you mean power yeah. walk? <laughs> what do you mean I'm power walk? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm I, running my ass. Off. I can I can run five miles. He doesn't know his. But a man, an old man, can power walk like thirty. He don't he don't know his knees aren't leaving the ground. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened to me. I'm just slowly transitioning into my power walk phase of life, and <laughs> and I I took a fall because of it. <sighs> Wasn't a hundred percent ready for that. So what we're trying to say is mental health, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. It it doesn't. It's not that it creates the problem like the thing within you is that it exacerbates the thing within you and i'm excited to talk to you about this because we share a dread quite a bit but you know you never really know what goes on inside somebody's brain and i know this the the torture i put myself through and i know what comedy does for it and to it and i know what stand-up comedy does to alleviate it and sometimes to <clears throat> further it but i was just curious to kind of and then I'll share with you to kind of climb inside your head of of all those things and what this whole quarantine shutdown has done for that and just wherever you want to take it. That the quarantine has been tough because and I remember texting you this a couple of times where this is the first time in 11, 12 years that I haven't been able to do stand-up comedy. Mm -hmm. Um and I've never gone longer than maybe two months, two to three months of not doing it. Um, and even if I wasn't doing it, I was able to at least write for a return. Yeah. Right. So you can sit down. I can I can go through my notes. I can go through my thoughts clearly. It's I out can, there. Yeah, it, it's and it's there. It's in me. I know it's I know it's going to be coming back and I know I'm going to end up on stage again and I know I'm going to. Uh, I'm working towards something. I, yeah. At least I feel like I'm working towards something in, in a two-month sabbatical, right. right? Where it's like, okay, I need to get away. I need to write. I need to work my way back into hopefully, I don't want to say finding my voice, but hopefully I can come back a little bit different. And then every, you know, then you, sure. you, you're striving towards something, right? 
And you need almost like a, a mental clarity in order to write. Um, or you're, you're taking parts of your life and being able to look, look for the funny in that or right. be able to give some narrative to that that when you end up on stage, hopefully it, it produces something and not being able to get up on stage and having that coping mechanism yeah. of, you know, how many times at an open mic is it everybody coming from work in yeah. full on work attire to get on stage to just do something that to just to have that valve of just saying, okay, I'm getting this all out right now and having to internalize that and not even not to say I haven't done any writing in this time because I've done quite a bit of writing, mm-hmm. but even having that writing, you know, come from a place of like yeah. not, not feeling like I'm mentally clear about things. And right. it's not even, and I can't pinpoint what it is. I can't say, well, this is different because normally I'm just going through my day to day and I write yeah. about that and I, and I kind of let that all out on stage. Right. Um, and right now it's just like, there's nothing really, there's no outlet for that. And it's, and it's difficult after 10, 11, 12 years of, you know, most of my adult life going up on stage and being able to do the thing that I love to do. And it's just really tough not being able to. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned the the coping mechanism aspect of it too, is, is because, you know, you always hear the adage that comedians are kind of tortured souls and we're, we're all jacked up. And I don't think that's the case for everybody, but I know, and I'm I'm curious to hear from you because we, you know, we we don't ever really really talk about, but I I know it's the case for me. Like I, and you're right, it's just not the same without stand up. But a large portion of the time, um, like I've just on a natural basis kind of get tremendous bouts of anxiety or just general feeling low i don't want to say you know i don't want to say depression because that's it's a clinical term and and i've never seen a professional about it um but whatever like a profound just kind of darkness depths quite a bit like it it, and you know it's it's one of those things you don't really share with people because you don't put it on them and it's and you wouldn't want to you know i wouldn't want people to you don't want people to worry and so you don't really lay it on them. And I always feel like... You don't want to pass that on and give yeah, that to somebody. Yeah, and it's probably the wrong thing a lot of times. That At least for me, I feel like I could and should handle it when I feel like the, either the anxiety bouts. And, and that's that you get these weird things where you just feel awful and you feel panic or you feel low. And it, and it compounds and gets worse when you don't talk to somebody or like, sometimes I'll go through these fits that, you know, you get the feeling like you're dying or you get the feeling like something's really wrong or you did something really wrong or you're in terrible trouble or you screwed something up at work or you didn't call somebody back in ninth grade and they, and they hate you for, or whatever, some irrational thing that happens and I just, you'll spiral and then it, it just compounds, it gets worse and worse. And, it, you know, for some of us, you don't feel comfortable talking about that. And sometimes being insightful or being a deep thinker can really go against you for not only that, but I've always been leery about, like, when I go to the doctor, when I go to the doctor to get checkups and stuff like that, 
I know I'm going to an expert that knows my body, knows the body, and knows how to address issues. But when it comes to the mental aspects, there's a whole lot unsettled. And so I, like the concern has always been that, yeah, like if I go talk to somebody, I guess there's that, but I don't know how therapeutic that's going to be for me. I kind of know the answers. Like I know what I should do to put myself back on track. I don't want to get medication for because I just, you know, all, just all those things that you go like, I'm just not going to go see somebody. For a lot of we comedians, our, you know, people say is, is kind of commonplace is just like my therapy is comedy, but it really, for, for someone like me, I know it is for a couple of things. Number one, I get to write about, like I'm writing and thinking about how I feel. So I'm getting it out on paper, trying to decide what it means and turn it into a subject and a topic. Then I really, I really grasp a hold of it and look deeply into it from multiple directions. And then I get to take it on stage and not only talk about it to mostly strangers or whatever, but people that came to listen. But if I do it right, I get to do the thing that I've always wanted to do anyway, which is make people like re not only relate to people, but make them happy. So I get to take like it's the greatest feeling in the world for for people like us to go like this is something that's really bothering me in my life. And I feel like I feel low a lot and I don't share that with people. Not only can I share it with people and get it off my chest, but I can. I can take the power away from the pain by using it to make people feel good. And if I do this job right, they're going to drive home and have a good night because of the suffering that I did this week. And it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the only thing that makes you feel that way for people who have tasted it like us. Yeah. Um, I, I am 100. I can fully relate to that anxiety. And once again, a clinical term, depression, all of those things, right? Um, and I don't think this, in a, and I often find myself wondering if this is, you know, what made me this way, which is, I think, probably part of having anxiety and depression or, mm -hmm. you know, is looking at yourself and being like, why can't I be normal? Why can't I right. just, why can't I feel how other people look, which is happy, yes. right? And it's yeah. really... It's really weird. Um, and you look at it and you go, someone in my position should be happy. You've got shelter. Like you, you've got a house. You've got a good house. I've got, I've got a good house. You've got a good job. I've got a good job. You've got good friends. I've got good friends. You've got some good family. I've got some good family. <laughs> you've got like, you're not, you're not broke. You're not starving. You've got transportation. You're, I, I look at, I look at it on paper and I go, somebody with th these trappings, should be happy and f what is and and you're right it perpetual it's like what is wrong with me that i feel like this when when you've got 15 years ago like all the things eh, 10 years ago all the th now maybe 15 all the things 15 years ago that you're like god i wish i had this you got it you have it you got all of that stuff that you thought you'd need what is it yeah and, and it's funny because if i look back at you know 10 15 years ago and what i wanted um a home uh not worrying about where food was coming from uh i wanted to be educated i wanted to be in i wanted to be a smart person and i wanted to to be a leader and i and and in many ways uh i think you know someone can look externally at at what I have and I'm very blessed and I'm lucky to have all these things. Um, but it's almost like now 
not necessarily now what, but it's just why am I not happy with this? And yeah. it's not striving for more. And that's the weird thing. It's not like I have a Camry, but I want a Benz. Right. And, and let me strive for more. It's not that I want right. more. I just thought that something would make me happy. Yeah. Like this is, you know, I felt like I've, I, I've grown professionally, personally, and it's almost like the more you accumulate, the more you can lose. And then that yeah. builds your anxiety and drives it even further sure. of um, always feeling when you think things are going to go bad, um, the more good you have, the more bad there is to see and the more there is to lose. And, yep. you know, I go to bed at night sometimes thinking and wondering and, and feeling, you know, full of anxiety yeah. and thinking, okay, I have all these beautiful things in my life. When is this going to go away? Yeah. When, when, yeah. when, when is somebody going to pull this out from under me? When is reality going to set in? <sighs> and just that thought alone will keep me up all night. Just that thought of when is this going away will keep me up all night and i'm lucky i have family that believes in me i have friends everything that you had said i have all those things and it is enough but it's not enough to make me not think about everything i could potentially lose or um you're right it's just like these silly things of two weeks ago i remember this email that i sent and how somebody responded and yeah. You know, two days ago, I wasn't thinking about this and now I am. And now it's stuck in my head and I'm swirling and it turns into it turns into all these scenarios that end with me in some kind of depression or me yeah. with, you know, my family not having a place to live or whatever the case is. And it just right. snowballs and it's really weird. And I think stand up has always been a place to find meaning in my anxiety. Yeah. It's something in the wiring because like I've, I've got a brother, my older brother is really successful in what he does and he's really good at it. And we just happen to be having one of those good long talks a couple weeks ago. And we were talking about, we joke around back and forth because he's luckily not wired like me. When I made the video I made about your inner voice, when you go to bed at night, he doesn't have that. He can let, he can let those things go. And so he was off work for a couple of days and I and I was just like we we're talking about all that and I said just curious. Let's say let's say you have a long weekend. Like you work Thursday, you don't have to touch anything until Monday. Or let's say you're off Thursday until Monday and you don't have to do anything until Monday. Knowing that you're going in Monday and you got to deal with whatever is you've been missing. When does your brain start thinking about that? And I think for him, it was like when he's on, when he's getting ready to go to work Monday or when he's on the way to work Monday. And he's like, when do you start thinking about it? And I said, Friday afternoon. And I would even counter to before I even leave. Yes. Before I leave, I'm thinking about everything I have to come back to. And even when, so I think it's just people with, I think our brains are just a mess. And or, or some, something's um, something in the wiring. Something's amiss. And if you're if you're wired and you've got anxiety stuff, you're probably a bit compulsive too. And I know I've got that. And so the even though you've made these successes and made these strides, for some reason it almost feels like you feel the failures harder. And this like without touching into it too much, like the comedy aspect of like or something fails or it doesn't get good views or something bad happens at work or. Um, you know, you have, you, you're having a bad, 
your relationship with a friend or family member isn't going well or whatever it is, it feels even worse because you're like, God, I'm a guy that on paper has done like this, 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 and that. How can't I get this under control? I'm a fraud. That's how I'm a fraud. And this is they, exposing all, that. Yeah, the things that like the things that work or, or whatever it is is given me. That's just because they don't know how useless I am <laughs> because of this. And so it's it's just a it's just a terrible cycle to be in. And it's I'm sure people a lot of people deal with this in general. But the comedians I know, I would say we're I would say we're talking eighty to ninety percent of us have versions of this i don't you can't climb in someone else's head or in their heart so i don't know if someone is thinking as hard on themselves or feeling as feeling as badly as sometimes you know i know what i'm going through but the comedians that i talk to it is nasty do you think that you can pick that up from a person's material um Um, uh I do, but I, I, I do tell too. me where you're tell me where you're going because I think I know, but I don't want to put the word in your I, mouth. I, I think there's just something about I wouldn't even say performance, maybe just writing style and content um, that when a person goes up there and just like depending on either how layered what they're trying to do is, um, I will sometimes come away with that person's working through some stuff and more than material wise, I mean, they're they're trying to salvage um, a me, divorce. They're qual- trying to salvage a, an old relationship, um, being not where they wanted to be in life. Whatever the case is, there's something that they're working through, yep. and they're utilizing the stage as uh, as an outlet. And I can and I can tell. And most of the time, I appreciate that kind of stuff because I I feel like that's how I utilize it. And I go up there and I try to just make sense of yeah. life while I'm on stage, uh, where. There's also those that I feel like, oh, if they, if they had a little bit of anxiety, they might be a better comic, or they might, you know what I mean? If, does if that you, make sense? If you felt a little worse, you'd do a little better. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it's weird to, to think like that. And I'm not saying that, you know. You know what's weird though? Uh, well, uh, just two things. The best I, the best I ever do on stage, the best I ever do on stage is when I feel. Um, when I feel grateful and I'm happy and it happens, it happens rarely, (laughs) but there are a couple fleeting times where you're like, you're about to go on stage and you feel those two things and you, and it's almost like without failure, this is going to be a good night. But I agree. Do you also think, do you think that when you, when you said, do you think you can tell when someone's working through things in comedy on stage only for me, because I can, if you hear me on a podcast, you might not know, if you see one of my sketches, you might not know. Stage is the only place I feel like I can't bury myself and and you get because I've I I know and I think people smell it more too from stage because you're so laid bare. Yeah. And there's so like there's I can't tell you how many times I've been working and I'll come off stage and like people will go like they'll know that like if even if like even if like if it goes well and they like it, but they'll know behind that like that was a that was a rough day that went into that yeah anxiety bit or just a a rough period yeah sometimes. like I had this weird throwaway joke I forget what it was about but it was something like you know it was something like they tell you if you're <laughs> they tell you if you're depressed 
you know, you should work out, but you know, it's one of those things that, you know, I forget how it went, but something like I just put what they, what they didn't tell, tell me is that depression plus endurance or (laughs) depression plus energy is anxiety. (laughs) It's like, I used to feel like shit and then, and then fall to a nap. Now, I can feel awful all, all day, day, baby. Yeah, <laughs> I got this. I got the stamina to hate yeah, myself. Anxiety for weeks. is depression with, with stamina is <laughs> Ex- what it is. Yeah, and it, it like it did what whatever I was doing. It did well in the room, but two or three people came up afterwards and they're like, "Hey, hope you hope you're all right," uh, though. And it's like, oh, that was like a hug. It's like nice. Yeah, and I've definitely seen that on stage from people. Um, and you, the, you, it's exactly it. It's like, hey. You good? <laughs> like yeah, you're all right. You well, got, you. Uh, some people you see it in between their act. Yeah, and so I've actually seen that quite a bit too, where you see a person off stage, and it's like so the antithesis of what they take on stage. It's almost like uh, the exact opposite of what I do, where I go up there and I channel all these things, and I and I try to get them out while I'm on stage. Where I see people sometimes, and I, I wouldn't say necessarily struggling. Yeah. Um, it could be happiness that they're feeling on stage, and then they go up, and it looks like somebody who's struggling. And yeah. it's like, wait, those thing, those things don't mix, and I don't know which the real you is. Well, um, and it, so it's just kind of like this really weird opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, but I do see people off of stage that are very sometimes come across as like really deep thinkers or maybe battling something and then they go up on stage and it's like wait where what happened they just like, go straight they just they just go straight ball. into yeah material like here's this 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 bam 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 and it's like and i think at and i think maybe that's not anxiety i think the way that manifests itself is actually looking for acceptance yeah uh, more than anything else where it's like look i'm i need you to tell me i'm not what i am when i'm off stage and i need you to be happy with me and i need to feel some kind of Right. uh approval because who i am off stage uh I, that's all that's what i'm missing kind yeah. of a thing you've pointed this out to me before that there are times during like somebody that's not as autobiographical as we are especially when you're uh, on on the come up when you're not doing show shows <clears throat> there'll be these brief shining moments in the middle of an act or in between jokes where, you know, they're telling their jokes, they're doing their thing and maybe a joke doesn't work or maybe they're telling a joke and something happened in their life that triggers a word or sentence that they say in between the next joke and we'll, we'll nudge each other and look up to the stage and go, Oh, there you are. Yep. Oh, that's what, Oh, that's what's been going on. This that's, week. that's a, it's a window that some people <laughs> yeah. that sometimes only opens in, uh, in a moment of either bombing most of the time bombing, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, Look, I'm trying to give you this person I'm not. And I don't think the crowd knows it. No. But, they'll, but no. they laugh. They laugh of like, ooh, that was that was good. And we're in the back going, ooh, I, oh, I know who that, what that is. Yep. That's who, that's, who, that's who that guy is. That's who, that's who they are. That's what's going on right now. That's, uh, and it's, it's these moments, and this happens to, I mean, I can't say it happens a lot, but there, there's these windows where it's like, they're bombing. Something's not going the right way. And whatever it is they're trying to project, which is in their bits, which is in their set, yeah, that falls. And it's just like, okay, here's this throwaway line. Here's yeah. this this really, <laughs> really small. And sometimes it's mannerisms where yeah. it's like, there you are. It's the reason why, it's the reason why without failure, I think the, the, the phrase, 
<laughs> the phrase with the comma and all. No, comma. All right, I'll work on that one. Always gets, <laughs> always gets a laugh. Like if it's if it's genuine, and it almost always is because you'll watch somebody who is like, I was so sure this was funny. <laughs> I was so sure what happened that you would feel good when you heard this, and it like it meant a, a lot to me, and I was counting on it. No, okay, I okay. guess okay. The like the most honest. Okay, I guess I'll work on. <laughs> I guess I'll work on that. I guess I'll. I guess. Could me. you imagine saying that in a relationship, or of like you just get to know somebody and you're annoying, and you get some cue from them that you're annoying, and in real life you just went. <laughs> Am I annoying? <laughs> okay, I'll work on that. Okay, you would hug that, that person so fast. <laughs> okay, I'll work on that. It's the it's it's like oh, it's nectar. Yes, it is. But you know how much angst is it that? Okay, I'll work on it. Like I can, I am I can feel that person's drive home, punching the steering wheel of like God. I knew I sucked. <laughs> you you idiot! It is it's such a vicious cycle man yeah. and and not having it not having it i thought not having it i thought i haven't missed stand-up this whole time until in the last week or two i've realized like you have had some good things have happened during this quarantine but you've had some really bad spells and i've realized it's that is like if you you know if you grew up a, a people pleaser um and you know without jumping onto the couch too much just long story short the one thing that makes the one thing that makes my stuff go away is to be able to turn it into something productive and to make other like to make other people feel good especially with it like you know it goes back to the essence of people like us as growing up you know i know your background you had people you had to make feel good and happy and cheery who were in tough spots and you were too, but that was kind of minimized. Like that wasn't really. A, yeah, it's just let let me take care of you. Couldn't deal with that. There was there was no therapist. Someone was going to send you to. There was no. Didn't feel like you would, you know, you'd get beat up at school if you talk to somebody about like a friend of like, hey, I think I'm. Oh, cool. Well, let me yeah, smack like, you in the face. Yeah, yeah. How about how about don't it. talk to me about that. You'll forget about it. Um, and so. I didn't, I, this whole time I thought I haven't missed it because there's a lot of, there's a lot of exhaustion in doing stand up, especially stand up where you're not where you want to be, like by get the acclaim that you get and by not, you know, you're, you're on the come up, you're on the amateur circuit. Um, I didn't realize until recently how much I missed what it does for us and how much I missed what we get to do for you know, dozens to hundreds of people a week, dozens to not only do you get to basically talk to dozens to hundreds of nameless, faceless, basically therapists. Yeah, that's what they are. But you get to try to do something nice for them at this, you know, at the same. It'd be like if you got to like if you just dumped your problems on a therapist and then bought them groceries afterwards like it's a it's a nice you give them a little candy and give them something real. And it it's just uh it's 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 therapy for us and it's the only and the funny thing is is for me i think the reason why this has been so difficult um that could be contributing to whatever anxiety depression whatever it is i'm feeling whatever's keeping me up at night whatever makes me 
feel the way I feel 99% of the day is that despite that being the weirdest place in the world, which is on stage four feet above everybody else, um, it's the only place where anything makes sense, regardless of whatever's going on. Even if I'm bombing, even if... um, you know, even if I'm not doing well, even if I'm doing really great, it doesn't matter. Um, it's the only place where I don't feel like I'm pretending to be what I am. And, you know, I go to work and I'm surrounded by people who are brilliant and people who, uh, are just way smarter than me. And I feel like I'm, uh, you know, a poser. I feel like at some yeah. point somebody's gonna be like, "Why is that dude in the room? Like, who, who is he?" Right? Yeah. I go home to a, 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 you know, a beautiful situation where I'm pretending I know what I'm doing as a father. Right. Where I'm pretending what I'm, what I know as I'm doing as you know a partner, a life partner, and a husband, and like trying to navigate that part of my life, yeah. and then navigating the health portion of it, which is like, okay, how do I make myself the best person? All those things I have to give effort to all right. those things. I, I, I feel like I'm pretending to be that person. Um, when I'm on stage, it's the only place where I feel, Oh yeah, this is, this is where I, it's my comfortable spot. This is where I'm supposed to be. This makes, this makes sense to me. Yeah. This makes this place where most people would be uncomfortable standing in front of a room of you know dozens to a hundred people oh and it's horrible a lot of the time yeah and it's horrible but this may it's the only place in the world where i feel i a have control yep and b feel comfortable where i'm not pretending to be this whether you like what i'm doing or not is irrelevant to what i feel which is yeah i feel like this is what i'm supposed to be doing and i feel at home in front of people doing this and making comedy and whether it's going good or not, it doesn't matter. Yep. It doesn't because this is what I feel like in some ways I'm blessed and lucky to know and have that space. Right. And if people are pretending and maybe they're not, maybe, maybe people do feel um, like they know exactly what they're doing as a father, as an employee, as a manager, as whatever it is that they are, brother, sister, husband, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the only place I know who I am and what I'm doing and I have control. And that to me, having that ripped away and then all I'm left with is me trying to navigate and switch hats and pretend to be this person and pretend to know what I'm doing and having to keep up with people who are way more brilliant than me. It's the only place where if that is taken away from me and having it gone for so long has just been mentally tough. Oh yeah, and and you you also realize what it does and what it means for you when you think about what you sacrifice for it. <clears throat> like you said, for eleven plus years, you've been doing this. For me, it's six plus years. I've been doing this, and when you think about the amount of time and effort and money you've put into this, if you allocated that somewhere else, how effectively you could have used it, but you can't bring your you can't bring yourself inside to do anything if you if you like at your successful job if you put an extra five hours in a week you know you put an extra whatever it is 15 20 hours a week for stand-up 
you just put five or 10 instead into the job, what it would be, or if you did a side job, what it would be, or if you were at home or whatever it is, what it would be. But this thing means so much to you that, that for what seems like nothing in return, like you think about sacrifice. I know for me, um, the, not just the amount of time that it takes, um, but in the other avenues, like, like you think about how many friends that you're just not in touch with anymore because there's no time think about like my core group of friends outside of comedy like in the career function especially after we came out of school and all like i'm i'm so happy for where they're at because they're all like they're balling like they they're crushing it i am the i am the loser and lackey <laughs> like i'm the loser and lackey of my they've they've got a text thread going on where they're talking about like all the things they're like their career options and what they're doing and all that. Yo, I am, I, I am, now my life is nice. It's not bad, but I am the scrub of all, like I'm not going to any reunions. Like I'll go to high school, I wouldn't even go to high school reunion. I'll go, but, but any reunion past high school, you can forget it. Until, not going. I mean, we've laid a lot. <laughs> a lot on the table for this stand-up thing and not a whole lot's come back for it but it's like you said it's the one place where everything makes sense show business is so subjective and unfair that you can't control the result and you know like this podcast we get the listeners we get and we appreciate all of you like honestly so much but this thing ain't exploding it's probably never going to get more than a couple hundred people or, or whatever it's going to be um, it's it, my sketch videos that I do. I'm never going to probably get to the millions of views that my peers, people I know, like people, people I grew up with share people's like other people's videos that they don't know who I know. Like I know these guys and I'm watching the video. I'm looking at it going like, I would love to give it up and say, they're just doing something better. They're not like, <laughs> so you I'm, don't feel like you're being outclassed. Yeah. At all. I'm, so I'm, I'm watching all that and, and you know, it's just kind of, I was talking to another comic who's a, a friend of the podcast, Tanya Salzer. And we were talking about like a, like venues versus like, like a brewery versus a, a brewery can get a following with our stuff so much easier than we do with our stuff. And I said, it's like the football house in college of like, it's cool. Like it's only cool because it's known as cool. And someone told people that it's cool. So like you go to a party and 20 minutes later, you're like, God, this sucks, but it's still, you're going to want to go next week. Because people it's cool. say it's cool, and the chess house is not. We're the chess house, and so you're like you're leaving, and we've we're chasing a career in embarrassment. Like we moonlight in humiliation. At best, people are laughing with us for things that hurt us or embarrassed us. But probably, probably they're laughing at us, laughing at us, or or snarling at us for our already in embarrassment like I used to do kind of a not a bit but like a transition thing about about embarrassment being a young man's game <laughs> and what it's like for us to be in our 30s like I, I, I always used to say like you know when you know how when in your day at work when someone says um how are you and you say nothing much you and you go oh god what's the matter with me we we wouldn't even blink at that no not like at that all. type of awkward or humiliation we oh you got mustard on your shirt in a meeting that's if you knew the if you knew that if if you knew the the weekly humiliation that we sign up for that we're like I I'm excited for this to be this embarrassed yeah <laughs> let alone the stuff that's 
out there. Like I even, like I said, I'm the loser of my friends professionally. And then when I go home, I know I'm the guy with, I know I'm the guy that people know is chasing to be a comedian who after six years has 1,100 followers to like, <laughs> and they're like, and they're all going like, you know, they work at a, they work at a window pressing factory for nine bucks an hour, but they still get to look at me and go like, there's the comedian. Like they, it's so clear I'm failing. You know, they, they get to just whatever. They get to just sit at a bar and go like, hey, this job kind of sucks. It's so clear and obvious that I'm failing. So you look at those sacrifices and you go, like, I didn't think I missed it. But considering what I, what I now realize that it does for me and what I, like, try to use it to do for people. And then when I think about just what I've, just what I've laid on the table for it, um, wow. Because I've, you know, we've talked about it since... March, I've said, you know, to be honest, I don't miss it. It's not true. I don't, I don't miss the, I don't miss booking. That's it's really yeah, what it is. all of the other, and it's the one the thing that come with it. So the show business aspect again, so subjective and all that, but it's the one thing that that can't be the not like when you go on, twenty people go up in a night or five or ten. There is no taking away who does what, like what works, what doesn't, who's doing it, who's not doing it. I am I and in the room. It doesn't look the same on camera. It doesn't look the it's just doesn't translate the same. No, it doesn't. We may, you know, a festival might never take us in. A uh, club might not take us in. You know, we might not get the followers. But when we go down to those shows in LA or wherever or we're on a show in town that's got listener your favorite comedian on it and the four of us are in the green room and we listen and watch each other go on stage we all know in the green room what happened that night and there's no you can come off and go i am i am good at this and if for whatever reason i feel like an imposter and and nothing else makes me feel like i'm good at something even though people at, like people at work tell me i do well at work but most of the time i'm going they just they don't know how they just don't know yet yeah. and i'm and you're kind of in a business like professionally a lot of times it's kind of how it goes um, but when you get that immediate, you know, this either works or it doesn't, and you see the reaction, you can immediately come off and go, I feel okay, maybe, you know, this will be okay, because this, what I'm, what I put all my chips in to try to chase probably is not going to pan out for me, but those people in that room that night know it should. They know. They, they at least, I'm not crazy. Because that was fun, and they all had fun, and those people who paid money to come out and see it gave them a good time. Gave them their money's worth, and it's it's the great equalizer. It's yeah. the stage is there is no there's in terms of what we're trying to do. That is the the real beacon of truth. Is what are you doing on stage? So people can have these videos of other comics or people who aren't really comics, but for some reason people think they are comics and they can share the skits and they can get the follower followers do all that. Right. Like I've been on shows with people who have thousands upon thousands of followers and they get on stage and the, the audience realizes pretty quickly what they are and yeah. it's not a stand up comic or at least not a good one. Right. right? And so it, when it works out for you and you go up there with 
38 followers on on Twitter and 193. Don't take it yeah. away. 93. <laughs> don't take it away from um, me. When you go up and you absolutely murder it, you it feels like it's at minimum you leave being like it's not me. Yeah. It's not me. It's not. It's not that I'm not. Yeah. Good. It is something else, and you don't want to point fingers and say, well, it's because of this or it's because of that, and make excuses. But it's definitely at least you get to come off stage knowing you have hope. Yes, you have hope. I am good at this. The it's not suspension of disbelief, but the delaying of the inevitability is because you can come off. You can come off with hope when stand up is still around. When I send out a sketch, and it's got it's as good as I can do, and I've put time into it, and it flops, or it does okay or it does what i would have considered well three months ago but we're not seeing incremental improvement and everyone's like big deal just do another one it's like i put i really put myself into this and it takes a lot of emotional capital and like you know all that to to do that and to like putting yourself out there in a thing again in a thing that's already embarrassing and you're supposed to make it look like it's normal and people think you're a comic so they just kind of they just kind of roll their eyes at you anyway. Like, I, I can't tell you how many, like, friends I've got that if I put out something creative, they give nothing on it. But if I put out, a, like, I put out the, I put out an Instagram post of our other podcast yesterday, and it had four likes, right? And I put out an Instagram picture of my ugly foot, and it immediately had, like, 10 comments of people making fun of my foot and I, de- I deleted it because otherwise I was going to start cha- being like, where are you for yeah, the other for the other stuff? So why why this? But you get to with stand up, you get to have the you get to have the hope of all right, like objectively, like I put out a video, it's not happening, it's not happening. You do the stand up and it goes well, and you're like, that was good. I f- like I feel like I've done something, and also lightning in a bottle like that's lightning in a bottle maybe maybe these like these people saw like we were face to face these people and i or maybe like all it takes is one of these nights when the right person's in the crowd and maybe i'll get to do this somewhere for a living like it's it's not one of those like you want to be famous you want to be you know what you want a residency like carrot top or you want to be whatever i want to be able to do this for a living so that i can you know, make it all kind of whole. I can can make my living doing this for people, and selfishly, that's the that's the one thing that fills the rest of the gaps. Cause yeah, love from close ones fills a lot of it. But there's some miswiring in the brain or in the chest with us that's like there's one there's a thing that only only this fills. And luckily, I found it before drugs. <laughs> 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 luckily, I found. I mean, I didn't come Two across... Two nights before. Unfortunately, I didn't find it until I was 26. I didn't find... Like, I always loved it, but I didn't realize I could try it, and it was for me till I was 26. Luckily, I found it before drugs. Um, because they say, I, you know, people have said that fills quite the gap, too. Yeah. Um, and it kind of is... It kind of does feel like a It drug. does feel like it. And I've never done a lot of drugs, but I, I know it does feel like it. And I think here's the thing that I, that I, I don't want to glean over is that one of the beauty about doing stand-up is yes there's that 
immediate gratification of I'm good at this. Yeah. Um, I am absolutely anxiety riddled outside of this and I'm I'm battling all these different things. And so making something outside of that stage, which is something that we've been forced to do during Mm -hmm. this time, videos, uh, podcasts, different things like that. So making something outside of that stage, which normally gives me the fulfillment or at least the, the bump to keep me going. Yeah. I don't, I'm already anxiety riddled making something that isn't going to have any kind of payoff. Um, I don't have the emotional currency to give that. I don't have that in my allotment, right? Like right. where if it's stand up, I know what emotion, what anxiety I, I, I take and channel and put out there is going to give me, is going to give me some return on my investment. Yeah. Um, I don't have that, that currency to give something to not give me anything, right. um, you know, for likes, whatever the case is. And not that we should be measured by that, but we are, right? But yeah, we are. Because it's kind of like, yeah, is is what I'm doing meaningful? And so you don't get that, you don't get that same kind of return of these people get it. Like yeah. the, the people in the room right now get it at yeah. minimum, these hundred people get it because you may get eight views on something that you create and then you're starting to think they don't get it. They don't get me. Right. And I don't get me anymore. Right. And so not having a place to channel that on top of that, just not having that emotional currency to give towards failure anymore. Like uh, it's, it's tough, man. Yeah. And the stage is, it's funny. Like you said, if you get eight likes or eight views on a post or something or a video or something like that, you feel like, God. But if you walk into, if you walk into a room that's got eight people in it and you're doing stand-up and, and they're having a good time. You're having a good time. You're having such a good, like some of the best, some of the best nights are when you do well in front of three people and you're like, yeah, I mean, that was unwinnable. Like that was an unwinnable night. It's got to be something to that. And it's in two things for me. Number one is being up there, like anything else you could walk through on autopilot, especially if you're somewhat talented, like semi-intelligent. And like, like if you're capable, you could do a lot of life on autopilot. And if you're a morose person like we appear to be, <laughs> that can be dreadful. But when you're up there, you have no choice but to be present in the moment. You can't be like all that. Like you said, you, uh, you're quiet in the mind. It's uh, it's it's nice, and you have no choice but to focus on what's going on in the immediate moment, and it quiets all the noise. Otherwise, and sometimes all you just all you need is somewhere between five and sixty minutes of that, and it recharges everything. Everything if it goes well, and the other part is that. It's it's counterintuitive because in a way you're being judged completely because you're standing on a platform with lights in your face speaking into a loud stick and everybody is staring at you looking for a reason not to enjoy or to question or to disagree or to whatever. But in another sense, it's completely judgment free, especially if you're compulsive and hard on yourself like we yeah. morose people appear to to be because you spend all day going, God, I am, I'm pretty sure I'm a hunk of garbage. (laughs) But when you get up there, it's like, they don't 
No, it's like it's like yeah. people like I don't have a dog, but people who have a dog, that dog loves you no matter what. When you get up in front of that crowd of whatever, you're like, I get to just be I get to just be who I am in this moment. Like every mistake I've made and everything that everything I've done that makes me like that makes me just all like hate me. <laughs> like, yeah. Everything I've done that makes me like want to throw something at me. For this next 20 to 60 minutes, just fresh start, we get to just have an introduction and I and I get to go like, ah, oh, for a moment, for a moment, like for a moment I was decent and it was decent. And it was good. Yeah. And I often wonder, you know, how much of it is that being on stage, you do have to be so much in the moment that you can't be, uh, you can't be tied down or you can't you you can't go into those rabbit holes which you normally would if you're by yourself um where you know if you see me before i go up on stage it's you have your notepad uh thinking about what's going to happen thinking about the day thinking about tomorrow thinking about all these different things and it's a million miles a minute and it and thinking about whatever's coming on whatever's happening next for you right right whatever big presentation you have the next day whatever job insecurities that you have whatever personal relational insecurity yeah. insecurities you have whatever interpersonal relationships you're trying to maintain and you f- you feel like you're not given enough that all goes away up there because That's you right. have no choice you cannot right. take that up there it's like a coach that takes it out of your hands like you have no choice all your preoccupations you have no choice it's out of your hands now. yeah if <clears throat> you have no choice but to get yourself right for these people because they paid to for see. somebody to they paid for somebody to have it together and to do what needs to be done so it's like it's it forces it makes a job it turns a state of it turns a state of being that you should attain regularly into a job it's a task now of your it's this is not for yourself that you need to get it together it's for them that you it's just like when you talk to your kids you would never go to your kids and be like dad's really having a tough time (laughs) because it's like everything in my nature biologically is meant to be okay for you two. Yes. And that's, and that's that stage. That's that stage. That's the stage. And it's so fluid up there and you have to be in that moment right then that you cannot afford to take that up with you. You, you will fail. And even if you're okay with failing up there, um, at minimum, you're not thinking about those things yeah. because you can't, because it's like you said, it's like your kids, like you can't, can't be that in front of them. So you, you, so you're not even thinking about and it. And something about that kind of makes you okay. Like when you, they say when you, like if you f- pretend to smile, you start you to start get happier. feeling better. Like I know if I'm f- wallowing and feeling too sire for myself again, I'll call my older brother cause he's a rugged hard ass kind of guy. <laughs> and I'm like, he's, it, there would be no talk like that anyway. So I kind of got to fake it. Like, I kind of got to fake it when I talked to him of being like, ah, it's fine. It's fine. I'll get things o- are good. Look, I'll get, I'll get over it. And then after you get off the phone, you're like, I kind of might like, like just faking it enough for that. It's like, yeah, all right, it'll be okay. Some, like I know when I need to, like I know when I, I need to talk to Derek. 
He's not going to know this subtext in my brain, but I know that talking to him and his outlook on it. Give you a little bump. Because even if I mention it, it'll be, be like, ah, you know, what are you going to do? And I'll be like, yeah, you know. And then I'm, and then the subtext is like, yeah, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, well, yeah what can what's you the worst, do? Like the, the worst that's going to happen, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah, control what you can control. And that's be all right, it. man. You're an old man. You've made it this far. You make it a little further. This, uh, this gap is also almost weirdly have, has given me too much time to reflect not just on literally every everything that is dread just in life and the elephant in the room and the pandemic and all those different things but it's it's also i've never had to stop and come to grips with where i was in comedy i never had to think about that because Ooh. you're so busy in just yeah. doing it and performing it and writing for it that yeah you don't stop to think what you know you you hope you, and you think you know what's next because right. you're you're a hopeful person right if you're lucky you're a boxer um, and you're a boxer and no one knows you and you make no money but you're knocking everybody out yeah and then boxing's over and you're like oh no one knows me nobody knows me i am i'm not i'm not the boxer that people are hiding from i am the I'm, boxer nobody knows i'm the i'm the bum Who's who's knocked a few people out <laughs> yeah. that no one knows about, and in and having to ref, reflect on and think critically about where does this where does this fit in my future, mm-hmm. um, especially now that I am getting older and can't take a fall. Been thinking about that a lot it's too. It's like where, at what point does the embarrassment seep into me not wanting to do this anymore because. You know, if I'm 42, you know, I yeah. remember, and I've shared with, I, I've shared this with you. Um, I remember going to open mics and shows when I first started doing comedy at, you know, 20, 21 years old. Yeah. And going to shows and seeing people who are like 32, 33, and that's not that old. Kind of the same way that uh, Cindy Sable, like you're getting some good memory, some perspective on how old she was. I would go to these mics and see people who are like 32, 33, and I remember thinking to myself, oh, if I don't make it by then, I'm exactly. done. Like, I'm leaving. Like, exactly. I, I can't do that. I can't be the, the 32, 33-year-old who's, uh, you know, hanging around at open mics. So and true. here I am at 35 wondering if I should run a show, right? right? Run, wondering when the next stage is, wondering. And so it's I've come to a point where it's like, I have to reflect on what, how I fit this into my life because not only on top of emotional currency, time is my true currency now right. and I have to give some to my kids and I have to give some to work and I have to give some a little bit everywhere. And how much of my time do I continue to give this? Because even though it makes me whole and even though I find meaning in it, even if it's the only fucking place in life that anything makes sense, yeah, it's easier to hurt me and yes. take that away from myself than it is to take it from somebody else who I find of value. So do I do I take that hit in order to spend two or three more extra hours that my son and my daughter are going to remember right. and create memories for them and ultimately just give it up and ultimately just say, okay, I understand that from this point forward, I'm only going to be a version of myself that I, I have to get to know because I don't have this other thing that yeah. helps me get to know me and come to grips with the fact that ultimately from this point out, I just have to sacrifice that piece of myself and not not go back to the stage because it's ultimately hurting me, 
hurting the the people around me more. Sure. And so it's coming to grips with that and this slowdown, this complete stop of, of all of this is It's glaring. It's glaring. It is definitely like a time to evaluate and you know, I'm I'm not at a point where I, I want to give it up. Um you know and You almost feel bad. Like you almost feel like you're cheating talking about giving up because every yeah. time I say like I want to say so many times, I think I quit. And you get this bad feeling in your chest of like, ooh, you, you, you quit. But you're right. I've been having that too. And some of mine's more, you know, th- you know, theoretical because I, I don't have kids or like a family f- of my own yet. But it's, I'm looking there. Like, you know, I've been, I've been in a relationship for a while now. And, and so, like, I'm look, and you're right. Like, I got, I'm thinking that. And, and you're thinking that too. Is you're right. At what point, like, we're in our, we're, th- I'm 34 you're 35 and it's like at what point does this what point should this probably stop and it's like are you going to be like you're going to be your kid's high school graduation and the kid gets done and you're like all right hey guys um i'm gonna have to drive separate i got a mic i gotta hit i have to go to an open mic i've got to go to a mic (laughs) and see thinking about that just you saying that yeah. makes my stomach turn at some point because you're a good guy to think like that but at some point as a good friend i may have to start ignoring <laughs> you like <laughs> like all the my sake. friends you know in goodwill hunting when he when he's like every day i drive up to your house and i hope you ain't there or like whatever <laughs> at some point i'm gonna have to pick a fight with you so, so that we never have to do this again. So that because I know how close we are and I know how much we drive each other to just like hang in there, like hang in there. Just and do it, man. Keep doing this. Uh, at some point, I'm going to have to take you to like a field outside of Tumblr. <laughs> go, get out of here. Get out of here, stupid You're- comic. <laughs> going to miss you, boy. <laughs> well, it's like in I'll, I'll be honest in saying like I can't even talk to people no i can talk to comics yeah right and there's this really weird like kinship and understanding that we have of each other whether whether it's even somebody i i like or don't like it doesn't even matter a lot of us don't even like each other yeah and it's 20 minutes before every show like it's a family it's it's like look i don't know you really and i know you do comedy and we see each other once or twice a week and in this space, in these next three hours, I'm going to go up for 10 minutes and do my thing. And I'm going to hate your shit. And I'm going to hate your part. But you know what my favorite part of the night is actually probably going to be outside of my actual time is hanging out with you. And something's going to be happen my favorite before part. it or after it that only we can appreciate. Yeah, exactly. Like the stuff with the comics that happens before. If, if only you could transport people to before the show and after the show and nothing captures it. Nothing does. Documentaries don't because as soon as you turn the camera on, it's not the same. Yeah. Podcasts don't because as soon as you turn these mics on, it's, it's not, not the, the same. It doesn't translate. There's something that happens or when you like just the small things of the people in town, you get to know their act and something someone starts dating a new person or whatever. And you're like, oh, I can't wait to, what, yeah. can't wait to find out about what he whatever. <laughs> and the laughs that we get to have for that is just it's it's incomparable you know what i think it is uh and i'm gonna try to make i'm gonna try to make this comparison but there's people who come in and out of your life and you don't understand at the time that they're just there for chapters yeah and you just kind of think that they're going to be around forever or whatever it is that you have uh 
with them is going to be around forever, whether this be college roommates, whether this be uh, people you went to school with, whatever the case is, there's kind of always this, oh, we're going to know each other um, forever. Yeah. And or you look back at times in your life and you're like, you know, I didn't appreciate that time as much as I should have. And I wish I could go back to that night for one more night and just hang yeah. out with my friends one more time and have no responsibility and just be with them. And not only with them, but who who we were. Yeah. Right. Like, can I go back and be who I was at that time and be that person with who they were at that time? Yeah. Um, it's like having a an understanding that these moments that we're having together in these backs, you know, backstage at a show or in a car ride out to some podunk town to do a show. Oh, it's having this awareness that this may not happen again. And so we're going to enjoy this and we're going to enjoy being with each other because who you are now and who I am right now, at some point we're going to look back at this and we're not going to think, I wish I could do that one more time because we're enjoying this now. Yeah. Because right now is the gold you know like the the best of times it's or like the or you know it's, like right it's the best of times it's the worst of times yeah it's like and a, so it's like it's it's weird to have that self-awareness and say these moments that we're having are fleeting and yeah. they're they're becoming less and less especially now that maybe i'm getting older maybe the young the younger comics don't feel this way probably not but it's like you know i'm in this room with these four people and guess what i'm probably never going to be in the room with these four people again, maybe individually if I'm booked on the same show as this person again yeah. or whatever the case is, but, but this lineup, this, two, two this group of people, right. It's like, we're never going to be in this spot again. So let's appreciate it. And it's, it's weird having that awareness right. and it's, it's nice to have, to understand that there's some finality to this. Yeah. And there's, and with us again, we're all, we're all a mess. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's extra finality. Cause you're taking that three hour drive with this, with, with a car full of four comics. And you're like, boy, the odds are the odds on us being at one of our memorials soon is, is <laughs> it's pretty good. It's high. Yeah, it's good. Like it is high. It's like fighter pilots, man. Of uh, we're gonna lose a lot of good men out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's weird because like we all speak the same language. Yeah. And I I can't talk to somebody how I do to some of the local comics because we just understand each other on this really weird level. And where every everywhere else that kind of feels forced, and it's like, but in this car, in this moment, right now, we have each other. Even though it's fleeting, we understand each other, and we know that this might be a shit gig, or maybe maybe it's going to be the best gig we do this year. Mm -hmm. um, but even that sometimes doesn't it's, matter because it's like we have right now. It's even better when it's a shit gig because you know, literally and figuratively, tonight is never going to be better than it is in this car. Like as soon as we get out of this car. Our night's going to be awful. <laughs> yeah. <And laughs> the only thing protecting us is each other in this car. Yep. And we're all going to have the same experience. <laughs> yeah. Chances are, if it's a shit night for one of us, it's going to be a gonna be Very seldom do we go to a show with a group of comics and one of us absolutely kills and the rest of us have the worst set. No, it's either there's some, you know, there yeah. there's equality in that. <laughs> You almost don't want to be that guy, you know, because if you've ever been in that situation, you don't want to be the guy in the ride home where three people were like, this was awful. And then you're the one going, I thought they were a good crowd. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. I thought they were fine. Yeah. Shut oh, up. man. It is. <clears throat> it's brutal. And um, this I, time definitely magnifies that. It, and unless you have anything else on that, I feel like I, I try to lighten the mood a little bit. 
Yeah, let's do it. Okay, I'll read let's this climb story. Climb out of here. I'll read the story we were talking about before it got started. Is you were telling me? Can you give me the Cliff Notes, or as Daniel Betts informed me that it's called Cliff's Notes, which I didn't know. Cliff's Notes. I'll give Cliff's you Cliff's Notes. Yeah. I'll give you the Cliff's Notes. Fun fact: Cliff's Notes doesn't Cliff's sound notes. as good. Doesn't sound as good, but it's correct. Yeah. Cliff's Notes. <laughs> I was sharing a story with you about uh, talking about dumb luck. I guess is uh, I. I read a. I can't even say I read an article recently. This is. I don't know where I picked this up. Um, there was a an amateur minor league pitcher who went to go play for the for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Doyers had been cut from the team, and uh, and you can and I know you're going to read the article, so my details are going to probably be wrong no, about no, no, no. this. But um, was cut from the team, didn't have a lot of money, was on like a minor league deal, went out purchased some property or maybe discovered something on the property he already owned that overnight turned this guy into a complete billionaire. And did you mention he used like his, okay, so, so he used his signing bonus or something, right? So the guy's name is Matt White. I looked it up. I had never heard of this before. And this is one of those stories. You're like, I can't believe there's not a movie about this. Right. You run into so many of the, like all the bullshit movies that they make and they make a spy movie every two years. That's every year. That's the same movie. It's a spy comedy movie. And they just take whatever, whoever the hot the hot female comic, or, or if it's a funny one, yeah, yeah, the, right? The popular, like the popular comedian, and someone who's a bombshell, yeah. one way or the other. Yep. They take ugly dude comic, hot female lead, or not very lovely <laughs> female comic, and hot male lead. Yep. And and it's a spy. Mo- it must be. I, you know what or I want to do? Detective movie. I'd love to get a writer or a director or a producer that's really in tune and in know with Hollywood and sit them down, because I love to ask these kind of questions. Why do they always do the spy movie? Because I'll bet you there's a reason for, like most it's of because the things people like spy movies. But like, I bet I bet you there's some. I bet you that, that's right. I bet you there's something about writing it, shooting it, something like that that's very transferable and like they. They know to the T what the returns are going to be. Like, yep. there's got to be a reason. I've The more I learn growing up, the more the dumber I realize I am. It's like all the things I rolled my eyes out of, like, oh, like, like CalDOT. Why can't you just fix the... Oh, because actually, uh, really smart engineers, this is why, idiot. And it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's why. Like, when I was in Pennsylvania, it'd be like, PennDOT, what a bunch of idiots. And then you find out why, and you go like, oh, yeah, that's that right. That makes sense. That's why I sell TVs at Sears, because I don't know how that would I'll, work. I'll tell you how I rationalize those things getting made, is I would like to think, like to think, uh, that it's kind of like, uh, to bring this back to the stage, it's like a joke you know is going to work. Mm-hmm. And what that allows you to do is try something around it that you don't know if it does. So if you can make a spy movie that's going to yield you 30 to $40 million of profit, maybe you can make that little indie hit that, oh. that you're going to try to do. And you can, you can cover up the losses of that risk by doing this thing where I can, I'm going to make $50 million. I know if I get Steve Carell. And I get Jennifer Aniston and I make them spies. It's going to give me $50 million. Dollars. And uh, the fact it sounds that we, like a real movie. The fact that we don't know if it's a real movie kind of speaks to it. That right? sounds like a real movie. And so if you can do that, and I'm going to make $50 million. If I can get a laugh here, if I can get a $50 million laugh here, I'm going to tell you this other story about something that's a little bit deeper that I've just been wanting to tell. Right. And maybe that's some indie flick. Maybe that is, you know the lighthouse maybe that's whatever thing that you want to make but you know you have to give yeah the people this it's like there's so many like there's this spy like comedy there's a spy movie 
There's the movie where there's the movie where a straight man and an idiot meet and they have to drive across the country. It's yep. like planes, trains <laughs> and automobiles do date like it just perpetuates time and are, time. You You're know, it's playing a big the one? same note like all those popular videos are like bro does bro versus bro. And it's the same formula. And it's kind of like uh, so uh, Ice Cube. <laughs> Every Ice Cube movie at its core is the exact same plot. He's not laughing and a and a wacky dude. Yep. Funny sidekick. Mm-hmm. They need to either get something that was stolen from them or they're they're in some kind of debt and the thing that they're trying to obtain, whether that be money from Big Worm, whether that be the jewels from whoever, is gonna get them out of this scenario that they've put themselves in, which is this enormous debt, and there's a funny sidekick. Right. And Ice Cube is just Ice Cube in every movie. Right. And so it's like, oh, yeah, I guess it works. You know somebody's going to watch this. You know that even though the plot to Friday's next Friday, Friday after next is kind of all the same. They're going to do another one. Yeah. They will do another one. There's another one where where he's like Mike Epps and there's like jewels involved and like a cocaine dealer. But ultimately, they're trying to steal from the cocaine dealer so they could pay off a debt. All about the Benjamins. Yes. Love that (laughs) movie. That's what it is. And it's like. Hey, that's the same thing that happens inside of Friday. Is that not the same thing that happened at Friday? They have to steal from that's Big the, Worm? That's and the, I don't know why I even like it so much, but that's the Mike Epps. I love Mike Epps. And, I, that's, and that's my, that's the, um, what does he say? <laughs> 15, 30, 45, 47. You never heard that? I, I think that's from All About the Benjamin. That's when he talks it? about the, like... I don't remember. I think that's all about the. The Benjamin. only thing I remember from any of those movies, other than like the very obvious Mike Tucker or uh, Chris Tucker quotable moments, is uh, I think it was Friday two or three. The the guy, the little cholo guy, and <laughs> yeah, hundreds and fifties or big old titties. Killer kill. <laughs> yeah. He's about four foot ten. Killer kill. <laughs> But yeah, same. Plot. How did we get to talking about all this? Oh, because we were saying like, how are those movies made? But this story is not. That's right. Wow, what a trip around the block that was. I'm boy. Yeah, beacon. we we get there. Sometimes. There's so many of those. And okay, so this story. His name is Matt White, and I'm just gonna paraphrase the article. A journeyman pitcher trying to make the L.A. Dodgers could become baseball's first billionaire player. This is 2007. Quote from Matt White. It sounds bogus even saying those numbers. I'm just a small town guy trying to get to the big leagues. It's beyond comprehension. This is a dreamer. This is a guy. He gets it. He's about to make billions of dollars. And what's he concerned about? Get to the big leagues. Get to the big leagues. If you talk to him, and I'll bet you if you talk to him and said, would you rather have these billions of dollars or have been a seven-year pro with a good career, a nine-year pro with a good career that snuck into the Baseball Hall of Fame and made $70 million in his career? Seventy million dollars no in the career. Doubt if you. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, against all rationale, he owns a rock quarry in Western Massachusetts. He appeared in seven big league games, so he made the show. Oh, so he actually did make the major leagues. <clears throat> Paid fifty thousand dollars three years ago to buy fifty acres of land from an elderly aunt who needed the money to pay for a nursing home. So three years ago from the, the time of this report, so report 2007, three years ago, 2004. So he bought some property in 2004. While clearing out a couple acres to build a home, he discovered stone ledges in the ground, prompting him to have the property surveyed. 
a geologist estimated that there were 24 million tons of the stone on his land. Damn it. On it. The stone is being sold for upward of $100 per ton, meaning there's well over $2 billion worth of material used for sidewalk, patios, and the like. That's so crazy. Imagine that. 29-year-old left-handed pitcher at the time. This was in 2007. Wow, man. Wow. Just I wonder what he's doing now. I would hate to do it for the listeners, but if you've got anything to kill time, I'll do. I'll try to do a quick. Yeah, let's do it. Let's deep. find out where this guy's at. Imagine that, though. Imagine on a whim, just buying a fifty thousand dollars property. All your your hopes and dreams are tied into your dream. Your dream, right? Yep. Making the big leagues. Uh, you are not forced. You're trying to help a f- your aunt out. Who? Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! No. Oh, no, God. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Oh, no. Oh, God. Again, being insightful. Oh, my God. I'm sorry to do this to you and anybody listening. May 14th, 2020. Oh, no. So this was recent. How MLB player Matt White went from, quote, the billionaire to bankrupt. Oh, jeez. Oh, really? Jesus Christ. This is exactly it. It is. This is what keeps me up at night. Oh, my God. The strange tale of how he became a billionaire, how Mr. Billionaire became Mr. Bankrupt. Okay. Oh, this is brutal. White's Red Sox teammates instantly started calling him Mr. Billionaire, an apt title for someone with access to about $2.5 billion in rock. Rock, however, ended up being the key word. He simply couldn't cash in. He had to mine it. The loans he took on to pay for his new business and the associated equipment ended up destroying any hope of getting close to the implications of his nickname. One major loan shot up to 21%, forcing White to file for bankruptcy. Okay, so he's not out of the game yet, and let me explain that. While White did indeed have access to billions of dollars in value, the realities of running a stone quarry business destroyed his attempt. Okay, <clears throat> while uh, today White has put the land on sale, expecting a return of a few million dollars. Oh. It's a far cry from the, building, the billions his teammates and the media love to talk about, but it's not too bad of a gain on a simple $50,000 land purchase. All right, so a bit of a silver lining that he's probably going to make some millions of dollars. But, yeah, oh, man. Isn't this, isn't in... I'm going to sound very cocky here. Mm-hmm. Doesn't us at Stand Up feel like you're sitting on a gold mine that you just don't have the tools to get to? Uh-huh. And so you're sitting on top of all your dreams, all your hopes, <laughs> and you're lucky if you could sell it for pennies on the dollar later. Oh, my God. How brutal is that? Oh, my God. Well, you know what? I don't have... <laughs> Let's just all hope... That the world goes back. Hey, by the way, we, we also know there are a lot of things going on worse than this. A lot of people with bigger problems than us. But this is our day, and this is what we this is what we got going on. So if you, you know, for those of you who listen to this, you you're interested. So these are the sad these are the sad clowns who make you happy when they do it right. <laughs> and let's hope, let's all get together and collectively cross our fingers, pray, 
shake a rabbit's foot, whatever it is that you do, that the, <laughs> that the clouds align and that Matt White can sell this property for tens <laughs> of millions of dollars. And Matt, once you do... You put a little show on. We'll do some yeah, time. We'll, up. we'll do some time. <laughs> as long as we can do it. As long as we can do it. We got, we got the material. Thank you, uh, my friend, for bearing your soul tonight. And um, stay safe. Yes. Yeah. Stay safe. <laughs> Go talk to somebody. To Jesus the next Christ. Long, to the next long ride home. Yes. Yeah. Hold your head the beach up. Why don't